Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 295, the what the hell have I done episode, how do we do this, the random old man wandering through the woods. I'm your host, Blaine Putvan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello, if there's any aspiring producers out there, DM us. <laughs> Dear God, please. And our other co-host, Matt Smith. Good evening, and I echo that. <laughs> <laughs> as the current producer of this uh masterpiece uh i third that because wow okay we're only 295 episodes in so <laughs> i'll figure just, it out someday we're just starting out so what they, they say once you get 500 you're you're set yeah yeah as long as we don't keep changing how we put the show out, which we tend to do every few episodes. True. Just because we need that degree of difficulty. That's right. Gonna keep well, us on our toes. Um, oh God, yeah. Now that we're with Cryer Media and we've got that megaphone uh, app, things are more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> For those who are watching us on, live on YouTube before we started recording, um, I hope you enjoyed that error of comedies. <laughs> My God, that was bad. Uh, all right. So this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the, uh, so we'll talk about the Chicago game and we'll talk in general about uh, the Canadians at the quarter point of the season. And of course we will chirp each other incessantly. So without further ado, why don't we just jump into the game about Chicago? Canadians roll into the Windy City and pull off a big win, a 3-2 win into shootout. Um, so, Matt, why don't you give us a little bit of a view of what you, what you saw and what you think of the game? Well, my general outlook of the game was uh, this was a winnable game, and I believe they should have won this game in uh... – in regulation instead of it going all the way to a shootout uh you're playing a bottom five team in the league and montreal really did you know uh put the pressure on the uh the blackhawks from the majority of it um edmondson was able to score his first goal of the season 
a guy that uh, you don't really see as a goal scorer off of a off of a nice pass from Monahan, who I thought played one of his best, if not his best game with the Canadians. Um, anytime he touched the puck, he was creating chances for his line. He was creating uh, uh, turnovers, et cetera, and um, led to quite a bit of offense uh, off the stick of, uh, well, one off of Edmondson, which led to a goal. Um, um, Anderson had some uh, glorious chances uh, and was robbed several times. And then Armia was looking for his first goal and he rang one off the post as well. Um, overall, like the outlook of the game for me, like they, they looked good throughout and it was really their, their own mistakes that, that led to this game going to overtime. And once again, even though, yes, they scored that goal on the power play that Suzuki got, which was his 12th of the year, you have an opportunity in overtime. They had a five, six guys on the ice for Chicago. It was an awful change for them. And you get a four on three, which I know that isn't something that you're going to practice all the time, but it's something that needs work. The power play we know needs work. And um, it's, it, it was an opportunity to win the game in the extra frame. Um, luckily for the Canadians, they've been very good in the shootout this year. Now they're three and zero. Oh. Going three for three in the shootout with Suzuki, who pulled off another one of those signature goals. Uh, fantastic goal by him. Cole Caulfield and then Kirby Dot comes back to uh, the team that drafted him and, uh, you know, sticks the dagger in for the winner. Um, it, in my opinion, it never should have went to a shootout. I'm happy with their effort, though. Happy with the win. Um Canadians are going to go home now to San Jose playing another bottom team in the league. And hopefully they can pick up another win. I want to talk a little bit about that, uh, that shootout goal by Suzuki. You notice how every time he goes for the shootout and he's, uh, he's shooting hundred percent right now, he does the same thing. He comes in the same angle, the same speed, but as soon as he gets near the goalie, he's got, four or five different options based yeah. on what the goalie does. Yeah. So I, I don't know what he, like, it's just, we're talking like a, like an all-star level version of a center who's able to do that. And he's almost there. That shootout, uh, the, the way he goes about the shootout, I, I'm in awe. Mm. I mean, Caulfield has that great shot and he scored a, a five hole amazing but the approach the suzuki makes in the uh in the shootouts is unbelievable yeah it's a big improvement from last year and um it used to be one of those things that the canadians were going to overtime or they were going to a shootout they were probably not going to win especially in overtime and now we're seeing a team that can push the play in overtime and we're seeing a team that can definitely compete in a shootout because they're skilled players are demonstrating that skill and they're getting the, uh, they're getting that opportunity. still makes me nervous every time, but it, uh, it is what it is. Right. And another thing I'll say, uh, their penalty kills a hell of a lot better than what it was last year as well. Well, yeah, it's incredibly, uh, it's taken a leap uh, massively forward. It's gone plaid in comparison <laughs> to what it was before. Yeah. Um, Treg, what about you? What do you, what are your views of the game? 
Uh, I thought uh, Canadians played a great game. Uh, I thought uh, Soderblom or Soderbloom or whatever his name was. I thought he had a hell of a game. He robbed. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like that game could have easily been six to one. Yeah. Um, easily. Uh, I thought that was a bad penalty by Gooley. Uh, it was a penalty. I don't care what anyone says. It was a bad time to take it, but uh, um the Canadians had their chances on the power play. And I I've said this before and I'll say it again. They, they passed the puck too much on the power play. Everyone knows they're trying to get it to Suzuki or Caulfield. Uh, I think uh, Dave Poulin said it right. Monaghan or somebody else has to start being a shooter on that power play because everyone knows if they can't get it to Caulfield, they're trying going to try to get it to Suzuki and they're just overplaying Caulfield to push it to Suzuki. And they, everyone knows where the puck's coming from. Yeah. Um, if it's just a bomb from Doc at the point with Monaghan in front. I, I've said this before. They got to start shooting more in the power play, especially the one in the four on three in the overtime. They should have just yeah. started shooting from anywhere, create the chaos. And then that's how they beat Philly. In that final minute of the game, they just started shooting it and shooting it. Like they had that set play. Matter of fact, they did that set play three times, but they had that set yeah. play, but they were also creating all this bunch of havoc. Everybody was moving. And I found that power play. Everybody, nobody moved. The only person that moved was Suzuki. He'd come out and then do his little skate in, you know, and then he'd come back. And that was it. Everyone else was just standing where they were standing. And it was, it was simple to, it, yeah, was, it was simple very to easy for the penalty killers. It was very easy. Yeah, they especially didn't have- when they were, they were doing the crisscrossing. They, they do a, a change of direction. So Caulfield yeah. would come around the blue line, carrying the puck, but the puck would stay in the middle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the defender doesn't have to move. Yeah. All Seth Jones had to do is stand beside Caulfield or get yeah. a new, and, and that's all he did. And then on the other side, whoever defended on their side just got close, just took the, right. the shooting lane away from Suzuki. And that was it. That, that, that it killed, killed anything. Play. Yeah. And uh, to me, Montreal's played a very weird overtime because they, they don't really attack. They just kind of get their guys out circle around the neutral zone until they can get an opening and then go in. And every team seems to be doing that lately. Um, It's one of those, because if you, I think they learn that if you attack too much at three on three and all of a sudden it's three on one going the other way, you're screwed. But um, as for the shootout, I mean, what can you say about Suzuki? He, uh, he Datsuks it almost every time. And uh, it's just the way he comes in. He's patient. He comes in, he waits, he waits, he waits, he waits, and he just flips it. Like, it's not a hard shot. It's not a – he says, oh, that whole part of the net's open. Here you go. Goal. And and that's – it just flicks it over the glove. Uh, Caulfield, I liked how he went low this time because he normally nine times out of ten shoots high, even when he's shooting not in a shootout. Almost all his goals are high. Um, and he went five-hole. And then, of course, Doc with his uh, – with his goal and then uh, doing celebration. His little celebration. I but, think uh, that was a, it was a beautiful goal that he got. He, he just, he just fired a, uh, fired a pretty fast shot past uh, Soderblom. And yeah. then the celebration kills me. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. The fact that, uh, the fact that St. Louis put the entire top line out mm-hmm. in the shootout says something about the team itself. But I think it was a bit of a, you know, a little tip of the cap to Doc coming back to his former team, say, hey, here's your chance. You know, I'm sure there was some money on the board that Doc had put up. 
and the boys delivered thanks to his goal. You froze there, so I don't know what you said last. Of course I froze. (laughs) But on my recording, I didn't freeze, just you guys. So (laughs) we'll move on anyway. Uh, So for the regular part of the game, uh, the Canadians tended to carry the play through five on five. They were uh, were 53% uh, Corsi 4 at five on five. They controlled the majority of the shooting, but it's not like they didn't give up a ton of chances either. And I'll, no, give and, a that, sh- and I'll give a oh. shout out to Sam Montembeau. Um playing in uh playing in back to back games. He definitely deserved it. He's he's played very well this season. Um they put his numbers up during the game and uh they're right up there with some of the better goals. Oh, now Matt froze. Now Everybody. Matt froze. Everybody's frozen. Uh yeah, so but it looking at the Canadians heat map through the game as well, it was very, very dark around the net. Like they're, they're going to the net. Yeah. So creating those 24, 25 high danger chances is because they went to the net. And that's something we talked about the last episode, I think, is that Montreal wasn't going to the net. I think it was the Buffalo game. Buffalo game? Yeah. Uh, Whatever game they lost. They weren't going to the net to create their, they weren't going to the net to create their chances and they were getting rebounds and stuff like that. And, oh, it was also the, uh, the game before uh oh that's dropped right out it's also the game before uh chicago um it played before chicago columbus columbus so the columbus game where there were high definition chances were nine in total um we talked about it too they weren't going to the net they were just taking their shots taking their shots outside perimeter shots taking their shots and this game it seemed that the change and that's what i'm kind of liking about st louis coaching style is he's seeing something that they're doing wrong and he tries to correct it the very next game. Um, I like, I like the fact it. that they take it in and then apply it the very next game. That, that, that's what I mean. And then uh, I also like the fact that the defense is jumping in. I, I noticed a lot more of the defense is starting to jump into the play. Edmondson got the goal. Uh, Savard scored against uh, Columbus. Um, Jack Eye scored, but Jack Eye, he has that. He has a tremendous shot. Like it's 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 not a hard shot. It's an accurate shot. Um and uh, I, I kind of like that because Montreal hasn't had that for years. And that now that they have a guy like Matheson, who can, he's probably the best puck move we've had since PK Subban, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So things are looking good for, for, for the Canadians. It, it it's uh, um, they're improving. Now, if your team tank, it's, it, it's, it's going to piss you off because, because they're winning. Um, but we also have to take consider to the quarter mark yes. but, yeah but uh I, I think in the chicago game they in every game they, they kind of fix the issues that they had the game before or try to implement new new things and, and it seems to be working out for them yeah uh, i mean i liked how they approached this game there you know it's a road game they knew they didn't have to put on the show so they just focused on playing simple basic up and down north south hockey which i mean it, it was effective they uh they were able to their transition game was very good monahan was a beast down low they were able to generate the cycle for you know long periods of time even with armia now armia i mean people are going to crap on him because he hasn't produced much but 
in the last game or two, he started to show what he was before. So it looks like he's getting his legs under him now. And I agree. If you're on team tank, um, you must really hate the season thus far. I mean, let's, are we just going to go into the uh, quarter mark? Because this kind of leads into what I'm going to say. No, no, no. Uh, we'll go into that in a minute. I, okay. I wanted to talk about the hit on Slavkovsky. Um, but once Matt, I, I wanted to get Matt's view, but I guess screw it. He's not here right now. We'll, uh, once he logs back in, we'll give him a shot. But what did you, what was your take of the hit? Ah. I think it was a a a hit that should have been looked at. Um, I don't think did was there a penalty on the play? I don't remember. No, nope. but uh, um, I don't really quite remember the hit. Like I know he got hit. I just don't remember how. And then um, I think Pizzetta went after the guy once he hit him. I, I like that uh, from Pizzetta because uh, that's what he's there for, basically. But. Uh, it's, it's it's tough to say i'll be honest i don't really remember how the hit went down um so uh, slavkowski was coming into the zone the offensive zone with speed but he was reaching for the puck so his head was down a bit and he was reaching uh he, right right he was pulling up as he was pulling up the defender came across and made contact it looked like uh right in the sternum just underneath his chin is where he made the contact and you know clearly getting hit there your head's going to snap forward so his head went off a shoulder pad and then he went down he looked okay. a little bit shaken i, I, I don't th think he, it was a dirty hit but no I do neither do i agree. Uh, now, now that you uh you mentioned it that way the sternum I, then uh yeah then yeah i do agree that it hit. should be looked at should be looked at just to make sure that it wasn't a deliberate because because you do have a deliberate hit but uh oh no he uh, was deliberately hitting him yeah. but uh <laughs> i think slavoski went to the room and came back though like i think he went to the room really quick like and then came back but, he uh, was out for a bit he only played yeah. uh he just played under eight minutes mm. which nor you know it's a little bit less than normal but yeah. it's still less um I don't know it, it the way he came across and the puck you know he had him lined up he did he was aiming to hit him the, he didn't have the puck on his stick at the time when he was coming after him and he came across from quite a ways now wow. maybe you could make a case that it was I don't know blindside some way I think it's clean but at the very least it should be looked at I mean from now that you described it and I remember it I think it was, I think it was just a hit i mean he's a big hit i'm a component of if your head's down you get hit yeah. you shouldn't have had your head down but uh you know what i mean like that that's yeah and slavkowski has does have an issue of that one hand reach thing that he does all the time yeah he puts himself in a vulnerable position on that yeah. play yeah and here comes matt he's yeah. back here again. comes matt guess sorry about back. that back again it is matt tell your friends Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Guess who? <laughs> so, Matt, just so that we can get you in here, we were talking about the hit on Slavkovsky and what we viewed of it. So, what was your take? You didn't listen to us at all. So, we're going to give you a chance here once your internet catches up. Yeah, hit on Slavkovsky. I got it. 
Yeah. Go ahead. Um, it looked like it was high. It looked like it was a high hit. It wasn't a late hit or anything. It just looked like it was high, but I, I like how uh, Pizzetta stepped in there. I like how Jack I skated in and kind of said like, you know, you can't, you can't do that kind of thing. Um, a little disappointed that uh, the player that threw the hit uh, Dickinson didn't really stand up for himself or anything. He just kind of skated away, but it is what it is. He was kind of a thorn in their side, the, that whole match. So um, I hope he's going to be all right. Uh, I haven't heard much about him as of yet. Um, hopefully he won't miss too much time as he was starting to kind of get a stride a little bit more and everything. And there's opportunity there to move up the lineup. He just needs to, he just needs to take that, uh, you know, to kind of take the bull by the horns and go. Um, it's not like Armia's done too much. It's not like Dadnov's done too much. So there's, there's, there's spots there. And if you've got lines that are clicking and we talked about Monahan earlier and, uh, how he's been able to, to find guys like Anderson, Anderson with uh, Slavkovsky and Monahan. I think it'd be a great line. Yeah. Um, yeah. Possibly. I will say this. Um, there was an instance in the game where a Jack guy got on the ice and they quickly took Dickinson off the ice. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I thought that was hilarious because they, they couldn't get him off quick enough when uh, Jack guy got on the ice. Right. And I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say Jack guy is going to go after him, but he might finish his check. But it, it was a, it, it was a two-one game or a two-two game, and uh, like like uh, Dave Poulin said, Jack I smart. He's probably going to see at the score is. I don't think he's going to go after him. But I did find it awful funny that as soon as Jack I got on Dickinson got on the ice, as soon as Jack I got on the ice, I mean it was only like a twenty-second shift, and they were trying to get him off the ice as quick as possible. Actually, matter of fact, it was a lot. It was during the break. And they were trying to do a line change, and they weren't allowed because they want, didn't want Dickinson on the ice, Jack Eye on the ice. So, I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was an amusing thing. Um, but all in all, uh, good game. The Canadians are going to play the San Jose Sharks on Tuesday night. Uh, we'll see how they how they do then. Who's going to start the whole nine yards? We'll talk about that another time. But for now, we'll move on to uh, our views on the quarter the quarter mark of the season. The Habs are at that quarter mark. They're above 500. I mean, before the season started, I figured they'd be hovering near 500, but below. I and they're they're an actual above 500 because they're one game above 500. Yeah, 11, 11 and 10, or 11, nine and one, whatever you want to. Yeah, 11, nine and one. So they'd yeah. be 11 and 10. Yeah. Um, first of all. To start this quarter mark, if anyone thought the Montreal Canadiens would be a last place team this year, obviously didn't pay attention to the 700 man games lost last year. Right? Yeah. Right then and there, if you were a smart hockey guy or if you paid good enough attention, you would have known that they weren't going to be the worst team in the in the in the league. They weren't going to make the playoffs. Don't get me wrong. Like there were if you look at it, you're like, oh, I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs with this roster. Uh also, you got to look at they had a they've had a pretty easy schedule, um, yeah. So far this season, um, they do have two wins against Pittsburgh, but at the time Pittsburgh wasn't playing very good hockey. They are now. The only team that they really beat is Toronto. That you could look at and go, they probably shouldn't have won that game. Um, I mean, it goes without saying they beat the shit out of Toronto. Right? It's Toronto. I'm not sure if Matt's just staring off into the. Oh, there he is. <laughs> 
<laughs> he had the thousand yard stare there. For yeah. Him. Yeah. But, uh, um, so to team tank, don't, uh, watch in a, in a <laughs> no, I know you, I know you guys are out there going, if we don't get a top five pick, we're going to be ruined forever. It's going to be devastating. It's going to be the worst season ever, which it won't be. It's like I said in a tweet yesterday or today, the management will adjust with wherever they draft. Yeah, I, I still think they're going to be in the top 10 of the draft. I, I, I think, do. I think um, they're drafting seven or eight. I really do. I still think they're drafting seven or eight. Yeah. Thereabouts. Like, because you, you made a good point. They've had a bit of an easier schedule. They haven't had a lot of injury problems. They're yeah. going to start having those. The rest of the league is going to start picking up the pace, picking up their game. Exactly. The Canadians are going to have some injuries, not to mention they're still going to trade some guys away. So that's going to make it, you know, dig a little deeper. And over the rest of the season, we'll notice that they drop down a bit. So if your team tank, I know you're, you wanted them to lose a lot of games, but close ones, but get, give the season time. It's going to happen. Team, if you want a team to tank this year, it's the Florida Panthers. Unprotected yes. first round pick. And but as Florida's, of right now, where are they? As of right now, the Canadians are sitting 16th in the league, Florida 17th, right? So for all the people out there that say, hey, we need to tank, we need a top five pick and everything, as of, as of right now, I believe they have 11 picks going into the, the draft in 2023 with two first-round picks. So just to calm down. It's a deep draft. Everyone's saying it's a deep draft. If you don't believe me, go online. They're out there. Read us, read some of the scouting reports, and you'll see that the Canadians are going to walk away with a couple good players. You know, um, Panthers are due for first overall pick. They haven't picked first overall since uh, what was it Ekblad? Ekblad and Ekblad, yeah, fifteen, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, I'm just saying, just saying. <laughs> I mean, know. if you think about it, Montreal has if both teams miss the playoffs, Montreal has two chances to get a number one pick. Yeah, as long as they're 11th no higher than one of them's no higher than 11th anyway so because i think oh. you can only move up 10 but it's okay i'll take a two and three as well <laughs> but even if let, let's imagine that neither pick ends up in the top five which is not a big thing to imagine because i do believe that's what's going to happen they're going to be outside the top five but both are in the top 10 how is there a parade for uh for hughes <laughs> afterwards Trading Sherrod for a top 10 pick and a prospect. Right. Even even if it's top 15, even if both are in top 15, you got one top 10, one top 15, you're still getting two stud players. Because, I mean, let's be honest, and I'll admit with some of Team Tank that I talked to, we still need an elite player. We do not have an elite player. Suzuki, high level. Yep. Suzuki's definitely a number one center. No. But not a not a franchise defining player no no there's only one franchise defining player in this draft and that's bedard and montreal's not getting bedard i'd argue there's there's another one in fantilly fantilly's catching up he's definitely catching up people are going to see him a lot more come uh, world junior time and they're going to be drooling Yeah, from what he's been doing or from what he's been doing with uh with michigan against oh yeah against older competition like he's he's making a name for himself he's no late hudson but you know he's okay <laughs> but i mean but, if you really think about it like i i several weeks ago 
I, I made an uproar on Twitter when I said Canadians do not need Bedard. <laughs> That's and Matt's frozen. Well, <laughs> Matt had the money shot there for a while, but anyway. <laughs> so I and I didn't mean they didn't need a player like Bedard. What I said was they didn't need Bedard specifically. True. No, they yes, they do need top end talent. They do need another. If they could get a center that's better than Suzuki and have Suzuki as your number two center, you're laughing. You're you're laughing. You have a Crosby Malkin type duo, right? Uh, or a McDavid Drysidel type duo. Um, hopefully, they build it like Pittsburgh did, <laughs> and not like Edmonton did. But uh, if that's the case, that's all. That's what you need, or you just need top end talent. Like you can still build a contending team with the top. I mean, they have Owen Beck coming up. They have Lane Hudson. They have uh, um, Joshua Wah. Joshua, I, I, I'm not sure if Joshua Wah is going to be top end, but I think he's going to be a solid third. Yeah, top line. nine. He, he can be his yeah. top nine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Philip Massar. I think Philip Massar is going to be a pretty good player in the end. I think you so. Know, yeah. You, you have a lot of guys coming up that could, and I think this defensive group, Gooley, uh, maybe Harris or Struble. I don't know. Uh, I think this is going to make up a pretty good defensive core. All you need is your goalie. And uh, we have time to worry about a goalie later. So yeah. um, that seems to be the, there's also a right couple now. of, there's also a couple of goalies that are uh, slated to go near the end of the second round. Correct. So maybe yeah. they, maybe they pick one of them, maybe, yeah. but, but even if they the, don't, they can make, they can sign one later on. Well, I just put an article out about that in 2025. You, you got, did. You got, you got Shesterkin, you got Thompson, you got uh, Saros, you got uh, um, Allmark. Linus Allmark. You get all these goalies that are going to be free agents in 2025, which should be around the time that Montreal starts making that push. Yeah. Yeah. So, around there. Yeah. That, and that's in a reasonable when, time when to is, say that. Yeah. And and just by the by, when is uh, Allen's contract done? Twenty twenty four. And like just before done, that, yeah, just before that, uh, free agency opens up. So, and we know that this management group isn't stupid. So, yeah. that does seem to to track with what they're planning on doing. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to get any of them goalies, but they're top-notch goalies that they could get mm -hmm. to help them. and they're all going to be around 30 come that uh i think thompson's going to be 29 and the rest are going to be around 30 so they're not going to be very old you can sign them to five six years and you're still going to have them till whenever um but yeah team tank you gotta relax man like montreal's going to be picking top 10 like i know if you don't pick top five it's over might as well forget about rooting for the Canadians because they're going to be disaster for the next 30 years. Yeah. I get, I get your argument on that, but you're totally wrong. Well, just um, look at the work that Hughes put in during this draft. Like, yes, they, they moved a, a, a top, um, you know, a, a very beloved defenseman. Let's just say that I'm not gonna say a top defenseman, but a beloved defenseman in, in Romanov was able to flip him and end up turning it into Kirby doc. He walks in, as of right now, sitting with two first round picks and we're thinking probably, let's just say two in the top 20, which would be, to be fair, right? 
he could easily use the 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 highest pick and then trade the other one and we might he might walk out with a you know a top four defenseman he might walk out with a top six forward it's it's really hard to say he could have two more first round picks before the end of the year absolutely there's there, you you know there's there's teams that are going to be calling about monahan well monahan like i know there's a group out there that wants to sign monahan i get it he's only 28 grant We've had our discussion. Uh, <laughs> I see your points and, and I'm not, they're valid points. They're very valid points. So it, it was a good debate. Um, but with the talent coming in and the fact that they might draft a center at this draft. Yeah. First of all, Monahan's if he hits 50, 55 points, he's looking for $6 million. Right. Yes. Right? If and he's, he's looking- a top six center. He wants top six center money yeah, right. with term. Right. I've, right. I, I, I like, I like Sean Monahan. I, and yeah. I like what they've yeah. brought. And the argument is, well, you flip Dvorak. The only thing is you're not going to get that return and you're going to have to eat. You're going to have to eat salary, et cetera. And I don't think Hughes wants to go down that Avenue. However, you do need to bring in a center, whether through the draft or through a trade free agency, et cetera, that that's going to be the with the guy that move out when when you move move when you do move Monahan out. So like Mon with Monahan, like you said, term he's going to want at least five years, at least, yeah. right? Exactly. And that's going and to does push that into- does his age fit the current core group? Would no, you think about the term? No. Right. So yeah, he's great right now. He looks like he's. Re- you know, he's uh, rehabilitated himself to a certain point, and that he could honestly play a second line role. Guys like that on an expiring contract come a deadline are worth at least, at least a first. A first round. Yeah. Yeah. So a first plus. So do you turn down another first round pick in what could be the best draft in the history of the league or, or sign a 28 year old center with bat, uh, with two hips that could go bad over a five year term? Right. At plus six. Now, Grant made a good point. If they're fighting for a playoff spot or they're they're in that wild card spot at the time, maybe they keep them as their own rental. And sure. Maybe. I don't see them maybe. there. I don't see them there. Come. But even my even still, I'm like, I, I look at that as poor asset management because like you said, now you're hoping that this guy gets you into the playoffs. Because you're not going, you're not making it to the cup. Let's be realistic here. Like Allen's not taking you on a Carey Price ride to the Stanley Cup. That's true. Well, I mean, that's true. Kemper did win a cup. Yeah, but he's Kemper, better than look, Kemper. Yeah, but look at the team he had in front of him. Yeah. When you, when you have <laughs> he's McCarr, got... Landeskog, McKinnon, <laughs> yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, etc. Uh, Lekkinen, hello. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lekkinen did score the winning goal to get them to the Stanley Cup there you again. Go. Again. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but I do uh, agree so, with I do agree with your asset ma- management comment. Yeah, like it, it's a, to me it's poor asset management, especially for a team who's mostly looking at the future and not at the present. Yeah, and you I, have and, and, if and you again, have the opportunity do, to bring in a first, you do it. Right, right. Especially in this draft. Right, and that would impact. likely be a later first round pick. However, yes, maybe that's another one that you look to flip. And you keep your two highest, right? Like or, you, you don't know. You package, or, or you, you package, package two of them up. together and get another top ten pick. Yeah, if some team's stupid enough to do that, but I think that would be a pretty dumb move in this draft, to be honest with you. Senators, 
<laughs> you know what? It's really it's really what they're looking for. If if you take uh, if you take three first round picks and package them, you might you never know. It's it's really you, you might get Bedard, right? So even then, even then, and you never know. Mitchkoff could drop with all his situations. Oh, going he's going to slide. Yeah, he's going to slide. He Did could sit the... there. Yeah, if he ends right. up down and... lower. Well, he yeah. could because you're probably not going to see him in the league for three years anyway because of his yeah. status, his Russian status, right? So that's the thing. That's part of why he would probably slide. Yeah. You got that war that's causing problems. The yeah, the contract that's yeah, a little bit longer than what most teams are comfortable with. Yeah. His injury to start the season, uh, all of that could cause him to slide out of the top ten. Yeah, and he's one of those guys that if he's available, you get a jump on. If if he ends up being the pick they get for uh, the Florida pick, I'm going to laugh my whole life. Imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm making a video on the uh, Nashville arena floor with just me laughing hysterically. (laughs) If that happens. Thanks, Thanks, Ben Sherratt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Greatest Montreal Canadiens defenseman ever. (laughs) Honestly, that would become... Uh, that would that would top the uh, the the what is the, the that trade tree that started with um, Craig Reve? Oh, Craig Reve, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I think so that's still going. It is still going. <laughs> Suzuki's on it. Yeah. So it would be the start of another trade tree. Um, but I mean. Really, if you're looking at the draft this year, I'm I'm watching one kid that really closely. That's Leo Carlson. He he might end up in the top five. He will be in the top ten. But six foot three center, two hundred pounds, hands of gold. Uh, he can skate like the wind. And in any other draft, he would probably go first. I. I... I was, you know, Carlson is a guy I was looking at at seven or eight because that's where I think. But, yeah. but I don't see, I don't see a big center like that not getting drafted in the top five. I guess it all depends on who needs what. Because I mean, look at mm-hmm. uh, look at Shane Wright and how he why he dropped because New Jersey wasn't picking a center, so you knew he wasn't going second. You know what I mean? Now he could have went third, but Arizona decided to go for the long term uh, the pick. But uh, mind you, pretty much the top eight players are all centers anyway. So I guess whoever's drafted get the yeah. center regardless. So, <laughs> so Unless, I guess it for some matter, reason, but... someone picks Cam Allen. Well, it's possible, I guess, I don't know. but you're really going to have to be desperate for what's Cam Allen, the defenseman, isn't he? You're really going to have is, to yeah. right-handed you're gonna be really, you're going to really have to be desperate for a defenseman to, to pick Cam Allen in the top 10. All right. Yeah, and you got Mitchkov in there too as a winger. Now you're looking at uh, Brandon, Braden Yeager, Zach Benson, um, Edward Sale, who's a winger, um, Callum Ritchie out of out of Oshawa. Callum Ritchie would be an amazing center. Uh, Dalborski. I watched yeah. him play there a couple weeks ago when I was in Oshawa, and he's a big boy. Now he didn't really impress me, but that Oshawa's a terrible team. Um, He's a strong two-way guy. Yeah. Um, but Richie and uh, the, what, one of the other guys I mentioned there, one of the first ones you mentioned. Um, Jaeger. Jaeger. To me, if they're picking 7-8 and Jaeger's available, I'm taking Jaeger. 
Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then you got D- uh, Dalbor Dvorsky, uh, a Slovak. Oh yeah, maybe Dvorsky's you can another one. Reunite the entire Slovak top line. But but this is just the thing, though. This is like you're you're, you're worried about not picking top five. But look at all the names that are in the the next five. Yeah, and Sorry. you always have guys that are going to make a run as well that are right now outside the top. 30 32 yeah. that are going to jump and come out of nowhere type thing or just explode at the juniors or something like that right and, and and this is what i mean by you don't need bedard like don't get me wrong if we can get bedard you're picking bedard yeah, or fantelli you're, you're going for it right however you don't need them to build a contender like you don't need that elite player it just helps and it yeah. makes it go faster yeah um but if you can get top I mean, end if- talent Having Bedard would be great, but if you can get two of these guys that I've just named, including uh, Will Smith, that make me feel pretty jiggy. Uh, Charlie <laughs> Strammel. Was, oh, that was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, I'm out. I'm done. It was so bad. It was so bad. Over. No, but oh, uh, Will, Will Will Smith's going to the wild, wild west. <laughs> it's not like he's yeah, just going to. That was worse. You know, stroll. That was worse. <laughs> He's not going to just stroll up and slap somebody in the face. He's going to have to earn a spot. Yeah. Uh, you guys are terrible. You guys are just terrible. Yeah. Maybe he'll go to Vancouver, be the new King Richard. Keep that ma- that name out your mouth. <laughs> are we done? <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, yeah. Um, all right. I team Tank, don't worry. Montreal will drop. They're going to have harder competition coming up. Uh, it's been an easy schedule for them so far. After Christmas, it's going to get harder. You're going to see players moved out. And uh, unless Montembeau becomes a st- super stud in the next carry price, I don't see us really doing anything. I saw people making uh, making comments about him being the next starter for the Canadians. Yeah, that was uh, on my, If he becomes... On my oh no! On, on Facebook yeah. and yeah, and on my Twitter, if yeah. he's anything other than an okay backup, I'll be shocked. I'd be shocked if he's more than backup. Well, I'll be ta- I'll be honest. I'm shocked that he's doing as well as he is. Like we all know how much I liked him last year. I didn't even think he was a capable AHL starter, but he's playing very well. I'll, I'll give him credit where credit is due. Uh, but I don't see him being a starter, a, a solid You're backup. I'm going to just put this out here. Just remember, Antiniemi was a 930 goaltender within his first season with the Canadians. What I happened to him? I liked Antiniemi. I think we should just so bring Arthur Zerbe back out of retirement. Bring him in the wall. Crystal Huey. Crystal Huey. Crystal Wall. David Abishire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough of that uh, craziness. Matt, any final thoughts? I apologize that Kojiko internet's fucking terrible. It's true. I didn't know who was worse. <laughs> I got O faces from you and I got friggin' money shots from you. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much how yeah, it So I apologize to everyone for that. I guess being in Ottawa is the only time you get good internet. I'm right down apparently. from Parliament Hill. so Apparently. Yeah, there's so many jokes. <laughs> so tempted. 
Oh, dad jokes are in there. I, I got to hold them back. Um, all right, Treg, what about you? Final thoughts? Yeah, just what I said. Team Tank, relax. <laughs> just relax. Enjoy the we'll ride. We'll end up with a lot more. The games have been entertaining. Enjoy that. Enjoy the ride. I fully expect uh, the rest of the season, they're going to be very competitive, but they will slide. So, oh, well. And for me, I just want to uh, thank everyone for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Um, share with your friends. Remember, like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Um, like when we go live on YouTube, you'll get a notification if you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Um, subscribe on on uh, Megaphone. You can pick any of the uh, the podcast platforms that you want, and you will you will get our shows the second they come out. Also, uh, if you don't subscribe, just search us. Habs Unfiltered is going to be the name of the show on every one of these platforms. We're not numbered anymore. It's slash Habs Unfiltered on all the podcast platforms. Uh, we are still working on the production side of the show, but at least we're able to share what we've done poorly with all of you. And uh, <laughs> keep interacting, keep sending the emails, keep sending the text messages, and, uh, the uh, and and all the comments online, everything. Keep that up. We really, really enjoy that uh, that community that's uh, built up around us. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.